by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. I can imagine those shepherds just outside of Bethlehem that night as they sat and warmed themselves by the fire with the sheep by and all around them, probably smelly old shepherds, you know. That's what they did for a living that wasn't very prestigious. Probably still isn't today that you go around smelling like sheep and hanging with the sheep and feeding and tending the sheep because the sheep can be a mess, and I know. No. <laughs> but, you know... I can imagine a little discouragement setting in to their lives. If they're young shepherds there that night, you know, they're thinking, man, this is how I get started. You can look at life and you can say, it ain't fair. You know, your heart is crying out for more, right? I don't care if you're rich in a high-rise apartment somewhere. I don't care if you own the Isle of France. Or if you're poor and on the streets of midtown Memphis somewhere, your heart is crying out for more because you know this ain't all there is. Earth is not all there is. But we can, we can get focused on the earth. We can get focused about our, our plight and say, man, I wish this wouldn't have happened. If I wouldn't have got this bad start, you know, is it, I don't have any money. I don't have what other people have. I don't, and, and those other people are not anymore fulfilled than you are so the young shepherds are probably thinking man this is a bad start i don't know i'm not going to get any education i don't i don't know if my life is ever going to get better than this and i can imagine the older shepherds there that day they're thinking well another night in the fields another day goes by just making it through you know i guess there's never going to be anything more and if we're not careful, we can get awful discouraged on this journey. But what did God do? God is an encourager. And he sent some angels to get them fired up. In Luke chapter 2, and if you're going to read the Christmas story to your family this year, which would be a good idea, we usually do that. Luke chapter 2 is a good place to start. Luke chapter 2 verse 8 says, that that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, and they were guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, don't you like how God does suddenlies? Man, just when you think, oh, man, I don't, it don't look good. It ain't, I don't know if we're going to make it, or here we go again. Suddenly, God does something. An angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. You know what the Lord's glory is? It's just the light of his goodness. You're sitting there, you're discouraged, and all of a sudden God sends an angel, and poof, the darkness turns to light. The despair turns to hope. The discouragement turns to, hey, 
I'm encouraged again. I am going to make it. I am important. Of all the people in the world God could have to announce the Savior's birth, he went to those who needed encouragement the most. And he'll come to you today. And the Lord's glory will surround you today if you'll let it. They were terrified. They didn't know what this was. You can imagine. But the, re the angel reassured him, said, <coughs> excuse me, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Say good news. Say great joy. You ready to hear some good news? You ready for some great joy? God's going to restir some things in you. He's going to encourage. He's going to put some courage back in you. Because you know what encourage, to encourage means? It means to give courage, to give hope to your heart, to put it back in. Encourage. And that's what he wants to do for you today. I bring you good news. Stir yourselves up. God is in control. He always has been. And this will be great joy to all the people who will receive it. Sometimes it's when we get discouraged, you're not in a bad place. You just need to be encouraged. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem in the city of David. Are you, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. And suddenly, there's that word again. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others. And the armies of heaven praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to whom he is well pleased. Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to us. And when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Let's go lay eyes on this. And sometimes you need to get your eyes focused. You need to get your, your, your focus back to what's important. You need to get, lay your eyes on Jesus again. Because unto us a Savior is born. He is here to save you. What are you going through that you need saving? He knows. Encourage yourself. Look for you suddenly. Let the light of his glory surround you again. And believe God. Encourage yourself today. Jesus said in John 16, 33, in this world, man, you have many trials and sorrows, but he says, take heart. Say, take heart. What does take heart mean? Be encouraged. Put some courage back in that heart. Take a heart worth having in your, between your rib cage. In the midst of your soul. Take his heart. Take heart because he's overcome the world. This all down here is temporary. And I like to always quote that scripture, but he's laid up for us a far greater weight of glory in the life to come. All this is temporary. 
We got to get our eyes back on the prize. We got to get our eyes back on the realities of heaven. We can't be naturally minded. We have to be spiritually minded. To be naturally minded is carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You choose. Take heart today. Be encouraged again today. Let the light of his glory surround you. Look for your suddenly. For unto us a Savior was born. He's already been born. He is your Savior. What do you need saving from? Look into the Word of God, and you'll find His promise that He is your Savior. Am I encouraging anybody or just myself? I don't know. <laughs> Encouragement to encourage somebody is to give heart. It's to restore heart to them. Encouragement to encourage another is like to bring wind into their sails. We all have been adrift at times on our little sailboat through life. And man, there's not a, a breeze whatsoever. We're wiping the sweat off our face. We got places to go, but we ain't getting there. And it's just like we're just sitting still. We're, there's not even a wave to... To give you a gentle rocking motion, you just, oh, is, are we ever going to get there? But then somebody comes along and brings wind into your sails and a gust of encouragement. We start moving in the right direction again. Sailing on top of the water. Walking on the water. Or like, like we're supposed to be on wings as eagles. A gust of wind in our wings. That's what encouragement is. And I'm here to encourage you today. I'm here to pick you up. Pump you up. It's not me. It's the Lord. And I pray that the light of his glory shines in this room today. In every heart, I pray he does in my heart. I pray he encourages me. Because we all need encouragement. Look at your neighbor and say, you need a little encouragement today. And you know, it's not just God's job to encourage. As little Christ Christians, it's our job to encourage each other. That's why he gave us the church. 2 Corinthians 7, 6, Paul says, but God. But God. But God. I always love to see that statement. Because that means something happened, but God. And if it's a but God there, you know something good happened after that. But God, who encourages those who are discouraged. You see, he's the ultimate encourager. Encouraged us by the arrival of Titus. He sent Titus to him, and they were like, yes! Titus's presence was a joy. So Titus must have been an encourager too. But so was the news that he brought of the encouragement he received from you. So there's three levels of encouragement right there. There's God's encouragement, Titus being an encouragement, and then you being an encouragement by sending Titus. We're all in this together because there's always going to be times where there's no wind in our sails. There's always going to be times where we've fallen on hard times and we need a word of encouragement. We need somebody to be a light. We need somebody to remind me of the joy 
in this world that he was born to us a Savior. You know, choosing to be encouraged is an act of faith sometimes. Because anybody on that broad path can sit back and say, Oh, it's me. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Oh, that's an easy song. It'll get stuck in your head. I shouldn't have sang it. Get it out of there. Don't sing it. Be an encourager. Because, look, it takes faith sometimes to believe that all things are working together for my good. But isn't that what the Word says? Isn't everything working together for my good? If I believe that, then in the hard times, I can encourage myself. This is not over yet. God's not finished. He's doing something good. Dad's up there got something more in store. All things are working together for my good. So by faith, I stir myself. I encourage myself in the Lord. It's actually super spiritual. Jesus said in John 14, 16, I will ask the Father and he will send you an advocate who will never leave you. You know what that word advocate means in the Greek? It's the word parakletos. We know him as the Holy Spirit. Do you have the Holy Spirit? Well, he is your advocate. Jesus sent him to be with you and he will be in you, and guess what the other definitions for that Greek word parakletos are? Can be translated the comforter. Can be translated the helper. Can be translated the counselor. And yes, it is translated the encourager. You don't think encouragement is important? God sent the Holy Spirit to be your encourager. That's what I said. Don't get naturally minded. Be spiritually minded. Stir up that gift that is inside of you called the Holy Ghost and say, Holy Ghost, remind me whose I am. Remind me of God's plan again in my life. Remind me that just because I'm down, I don't have to stay here. I'm getting back up. Remind me that the, the gust of God's wind is fixing to sail me straight through to my destiny. And I will finish my race. I will run my course, and I will hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Be encouraged, the light of his glory and grace is here today. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of us. But I'm telling you, you have to do it. You have to choose it, because man's natural disposition is towards discouragement. There is a natural pull of this earth, this gravity that's pulling us ever downwards, pulls us to earthly things, to natural things, to think naturally. And we have to think on whatsoever things are lovely and pure. We have to actively choose our thoughts. We have to fix our thoughts on good things to encourage ourselves. And some of us, you, you've seen people, some people are just naturally seem like they're joyful. They have a joyful disposition. 
And some people, on the other hand, it's like, okay, well, I'll be seeing you. You know, you walk in that room, you know that you're fixing to be hit with a wall of discouragement because everything out of their mouth is discouraging. You can tell that they are discouraged and they want you to join them. But you can also walk into a room with some of these world changers likes up in here, some of these temperature setters, some of these thermometers, what do you call on the wall? Thermostat, some of these thermostats in here, you walk in the wall. I'm walking the wall. You walk in the room, and you walk into a wall, and no, no. you walk in there, and it's, it's a John Crawford up in there. He's going to be smiling. He's going to be saying something encouraging. He's probably going to be saying something good about himself, but you just overlooked that. <laughs> but I tell you, they put a smile on your face. Now, what is your natural bent? You know, some of us, uh, some of us are bent towards seeing the negative all the time. Okay, but does that mean that's the way we have to stay? If I have a natural bent that says I like to lie a lot, I just like to lie my way through life. I want to tell, I like lying. Does that mean, well, that's the way God made me. I guess that's the way I'll be. No, when you... People have all kinds of natural bents. Uh, it's called sin. You know, it's called things that need to change. And so you must work on it. If, you, if your natural disposition is to see the negative in everything, you have to work harder than somebody that naturally seems joyful. But nevertheless, it will be to your benefit. That's right. Jesus will break that off of you. And, and you, you can change. you got to work at it. And so, if I would be honest, and I always am, you guys more, know more about me than I know about me. I'm kind of 50-50. I, I mean, it's easy for me to encourage you guys. That comes natural to me. I like encouraging other folks, but when I'm alone, I want to discourage myself. I don't know why. But what if that's the case with you, what do you got to do? Stir yourself up in your most holy faith. Pray in the Spirit. You know, think on good things. Get in the presence of God where there's fullness of joy. You know, you have to work at it. You cannot let yourself get down or eventually you won't have anything to give to somebody else. And some people could be different. They could be, I'm, I'm joyful, but I don't care if anybody else is. <laughs> well, change that too. Right? We're all called to be Barnabases. Barnabas was, was a fellow in the book of Acts. Tremendous fellow. The name Barnabas means son of encouragement. That was his nickname. They called him, man, you're just such an encourager. We're going to call you Barnabas. He was the one who encouraged the disciples to... to to believe in Paul that he had really been saved and to welcome him into the family. Or Paul might not even been in fellowship with the apostles at first. He was the one who decided to, that we should give John Mark a second chance, even though he quit the gospel at one point on a missionary trip. He talked Paul into, give him another chance. They, they, even when Paul wouldn't do it, later on Paul came back and saw 
that Barnabas was right. Everybody needs a second chance. Do you believe that? Does everybody need a second chance? I believe everybody needs another chance. Because I, I wore out my second chance many, many years ago. But we always need another chance. So what are some ways to encourage other? I wrote a few things down. These are tried and true. Write somebody a handwritten note. Give them a call. Let them hear your voice and just talk to them. Pray for somebody. If you see somebody down, don't just go pray privately. That's good. But once you say, let me pray for you. It looks like you're going through something. Let me just, let me uplift you in prayer. And they may say, no, no, I'm good. You don't have to. Don't take that answer. Say, no, we're we fixing to pray. And go ahead and pray for them. They'll be encouraged that you care. Your joyful countenance will uplift others. Like I said, be thermometers, not thermostats. I'll get them mixed up. Don't be thermometers. That's the way a lot of us are. We just, whatever the world says, that's what I'll be. I'll just meld to their temperature. But we want to be thermostats. We change the temperature. And so have a joyful countenance. Always speak pleasant words. That goes so far. Like I said, don't be one of those people that people have to avoid because your, your words are out of control. I, one thing that you can do to encourage people is to be a bigger picture person. When they're, they're in the midst of their situation, you can say, oh, yeah, I know it looks bad, and you can mean that heart from your heart, but you can say, let me tell you something. God is in control. Even when we don't see him, even in the valley, even in the lion's den, even when we're going through the fire, I want, you to, I want to encourage you that this life is but for a moment, and God is working something, all things together for your good. God is ultimately in control. You know, and there's coming a day. You don't have to be a preacher, but you need to be a preacher. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to be a preacher, but you really need to be a preacher. And you need to say, there's coming a day. I know it don't look like it, but... God's going to set everything straight. And all the books are going to be settled. And all the tears that you cried, he's, he, he, he holds them in his hand. He knows them. He ain't forgot about you. There's going to be no more sickness, no more sorrow, no more crying. There's coming a day. That's the reality of heaven. Be a big picture person and start painting a better picture for the people. And I tell you what, the burden will lift. You see, Jesus came to destroy the yokes, to carry our burdens. And he said, I want you to be my hands and feet. I want you to carry some of that with me. I want you to see the people. I want you to notice them. That's the thing you can do to encourage somebody. Notice them. So many people going through life, they do, nobody notices me. They feel lost. It's like, I'm all alone. But you say, hey, brother, how you doing? You know, I see, I see you every day up here working at Taco Bell. 
you're doing a good job, man. Just anything. Just notice them. Notice somebody. Let's see what else I wrote. I wrote that seeing your faith always encourages me. That's what encourages me most as your shepherd. To see your love for Jesus. To see you going around that discipleship wheel and seeing all the change in this place and the good that God is doing in our church. That's what encourages me. Romans 15, 2 says, we should help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord. Always be ready to build somebody up. A guy I was ministering to the other day, poor fella, he was... He was trying to be joyful. You could tell he had a joyful disposition naturally, and we were talking, but the more we talked, I could see his heart was hurting. And he began to tell me, he opened up to me and told me that, you know, he had committed a sin, a grave sin. And uh, because of it, he had lost his wife. And because of it, his children are not speaking to him. Now, my heart grieved for him, and I just wanted to, to minister to him. And then he told me something that just seemed to make it worse to me. He said that the church that he was a member of, when they found out what he did, they kicked him to the curb. And I said, have you repented? I said, are you a true Christian? You've asked God to forgive you? He said, oh, yeah, yeah, many, many times. I, you know, I'm, I know I was wrong. He was totally repentant. He said, but only one person from that church has even reached out to me since then. And I just thought to myself, oh my goodness. That is the farthest thing that the church, away from the, what the church should be. We don't, we don't finish off our people, you know, what do they call it? We don't kill our wounded We're the place of another chance. We're the another chance people. We believe the best about each other. We know where we've been. We know that other people need another chance. Especially if they're repentant. I'm not saying, not, and there's two, story, two sides to every story. I don't know the church's story, and I'm not going to mention the church's name or nothing like that. I, I'm just saying in general, this man seemed repentant, and the church had kicked him to the curb. And so I, I said, let me pray for you. And I said, before I pray, let me just tell you this. I apologize for the church. I apologize that anybody would treat you like this. I believe in church discipline. I believe when people are not repentant, then there's a, a time for the church to take disciplinary action and so forth. But not when somebody has repented. Paul said, it's time to gather the brother who sinned back and lest he be overwhelmed with sorrow it's never God's intention godly sorrow bringeth repentance right that's a good thing but we can have too much sorrow if, if there's if we repent and nobody receives us back so I prayed for this man and I feel like he got a little joy in his step before he left and I felt like a little Barnabas and all I did was share with him that 
if you confess your sins, God's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. He's on your side. He, he wants you to get back up. He's, he wants you to be encouraged. So, where should people be able to find steady encouragement? Isn't that what God gave us? And isn't that one of the main reasons God gave us a, ch a church? So that we could be wind in each other's sails as we all seek to finish our race? Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. You see, we've got to hold on to this hope. We can't let it slip. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. See, that's our faith. That we know God is trustworthy. But we got to hold on to the hope even when it don't look good. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect the meeting together as some people do. But encourage one another. Encourage one another one another now, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near because we know that when he comes back, man, in the end times, the love of many is, is waxing cold. Many people are losing their way. Many people are falling by the wayside. Many people are being chunked on the heap of failure and disappointment. But if we will stay together and we will encourage one another, We'll hold on together to that hope that we have. We'll have faith to know that he's faithful to his promises. We'll be the kind of church that sticks together, prays together, and stays together. Amen? Amen. That's good news. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. I threw that one in there because I feel like this is the kind of church that we have. This is what you're already doing. So when should we encourage? Often. <laughs> Hebrews 3.13 3, says encourage one another daily. Say daily. daily. Sometimes more than once a day. As long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. See, the devil's out to convince you that nobody cares. The deceitfulness of sin is out to convince you that, oh, you can do that and get away with it. Nobody cares. Nobody's watching. But if we're watching out for each other, we're holding each other accountable, we won't fall for the deceitfulness of sin, and we won't have to receive the wages of sin, which is death. And finally, as I close, because I know y'all smell that food, We must learn to encourage ourselves. On that day when we're out there and there's no wind in our sails, and we look around and we're out there by ourselves, there's nobody else around. I don't care if it starts with a little <laughs> start blowing wind into your sails. We have to learn. To encourage ourselves, we cannot sit back and let the, de the devil defeat us with discouragement. The psalmist, and, and where do we often look to when we're discouraged? The psalms. Why is that? Because there's real people in, that's writing these psalms. We see in the psalms, psalmists saying stuff that ain't even biblical. 
but it's the Bible. We see the good and the bad and the ugly of human nature. And they'd say, I feel all alone. You've left me, God. All these things that they say. Well, that's just their heart crying out in the time of their discouragement. But I love how they always turn it back to God. And in Psalms 42, this is what the psalmist does. He, he finally asks himself, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. He stirred himself up. He said, I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Now I am, now I am deeply discouraged, but I will remember you. Even from the distant Mount Hermon, the source of the Jordan, and from the land of Mount Mizar, I hear the tumult the raging seas as your waves and surging tides sweep over me. You talking about being out there in the, with no wind in your sails, and here come the raging seas of God's encouragement. Here come the raging seas of his unfailing love to fill your sails again, and the surging tides of his glory are sweeping over you. Remind yourself, why am I discouraged why would I let my heart get to this place? Because I know in whom I have believed. But each day the Lord pours out his unfailing love upon me. And through each night I sing his songs, praying to the God who gives me life. And isn't that what the scriptures say? Stir yourselves up singing psalms and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Praying without ceasing. Talk to God. The Holy Spirit. The encourager lives inside of you. Even if you feel alone and there's nobody else in the church there that day, you can encourage yourself because the Holy Spirit's on the ride with you. So stir yourselves up. Let's not get discouraged. And you know, I'm just going to add this. When you encourage others, it encourages you. If you're down... Go stir somebody else up and see if you don't get encouraged. You know, this time of year, many people getting caught up in the rat race. Many people, you know, it's just all the buying and selling, all the food to cook and all the plans and the parties and You'd think that would be super encouraging, but to many people, it's overwhelming. I want to remind you the, the reason for the season. Those things are important, but they ain't that important. They ain't worth you being discouraged over. And, and I know a lot of times when you get to holiday seasons and you've lost a loved one, and you begin to think on, well, what if they were here? You know, I remember, and, it, and you begin to, you, you put dates on your calendar so that you can get sad. We fill our calendar up with coming dates. Oh, when it gets Christmas, when it gets this, I'm going to be sad because this person is gone. I'm telling you, that person, if they're with the Lord, they're happier than they've ever been, and they don't want you down here sad, and they don't want you spending your holidays missing them because you'll see them soon enough. Now, I know that's easier said than done, and I'm not making light of your heartache and your pain and all the things that, that you, you really miss those people. But 
we're in the land of the living right now. And they're in the land of the really living. You see what I'm saying? We're the ones, they're, they're feeling bad for us right now, okay? So don't put it on your calendar and start, you know, plan your life around how I'm going to feel bad about this day and how I'm going to feel bad about this day. And, and Christmas always makes me sad because of how it used to be and the way, you know, the way we used to do it and our, all our traditions are messed up and all that. Make tr new traditions. There's different seasons in your life. Live your life and be encouraged. You know, those angels came to the shepherds. They said, I'm coming to bring you good news. It'll be great joy. It's still good news. And it still brings great joy. You know what the good news is? Jesus died in our place. He came, he came to, to see what what we go through down here so that he could be our intercessor and he could, he could be our advocate. He could know what we suffer. He was on all points tempted as we are, but without sin. And then he died on our cross to pay our penalty so that we would never have to be separated from him. And he said, I'm going. I know you're going to miss me, but I'm going to send God and the Holy Spirit to live inside of you. See, that's the good news that these angels were proclaiming. Hey, Jesus has come, and this is going to make all things new. We don't have to live in despair. We don't have to live in discouragement. Our God is large and in charge. He's in control. You just trust him. You just keep looking to him, and you just keep expecting your next suddenly. And you just keep praying, God, surround me with the light of your glory and grace. Let's pour your goodness upon me. And no matter what it looks like through these natural eyes, you look through the eyes of your heart, and it's pointing you to Jesus. Your heart is pointing you to that relationship that there's nothing in all of heaven and earth, no angels, no demons, no nothing, can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Today, a Savior is born unto you. And we've been born again because of him. So I want to encourage you. Let's have a good Christmas. Make up your mind right now. A lot of it is just making up your mind that I will not be discouraged. You set your face like flint. You turn your eyes towards heaven. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, reach out to him. Say, I trust you, Jesus. Be the Lord of my life. Be my Savior. I know you died on my cross so that I could live, so that I could truly live. Not live half-heartedly or in despair, but live with the abundant life that you came to provide. And if you're here today and you've been discouraged, say, Jesus, I take hold of the horns of your altar. And I trust you. And I know that you hear my prayers. And I know that you love me. And I know all things are working together for my good. And I stir myself up. Heart, why are you so sad? Why am I discouraged? My God is for me. He's not against me. Hallelujah. Bless you, Jesus.
listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.